I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. And I apologize today, guys. We have a lot of non-cut stories because there's just so much going on in the celebrity world today. I just had to pull from some other sources. So we have a lot of wild and wacky things in store. First, some updates. I know that pointing out your shortcomings just draws attention to them, but I just absolutely have to apologize for my sound struggles and mispronunciations last week. And if that was the first episode you've ever tuned into, I'm very sorry. For one, I completely screwed up the macaroni in the pot audio. I don't know what happened to it, but for some reason when I upload it, it just came in really quiet that you probably just think it's blank space. And then I pronounced Rosalia as Rosalia. Oh my God, like I apologize to that queen. I don't know. It's just sometimes like when I'm reading fast, my brain isn't even picking up with my mouth. And then I was calling WAP, WAP, like Fetty WAP. I mean, the list goes on. It was just a struggle week. I really was struggling to record last week. I can't tell you how many times I had to like pause and catch my bearings and start off again. And usually I can just kind of, you know, record all the way through. Again, y'all don't care. I just had to apologize. Let's move on to some real celebrity updates. Anthony posted him and Martha Stewart on a boat together. Is the feud officially over? Did it never actually exist? I just hope that Anthony sent a thank you card lickety split this time. As we discussed last week, we can't have Martha getting mad at him yet again. Now, one of the very first topics we talked about in the babyhood of this podcast was Operation Varsity Blues. I feel like it hasn't been in the news as much lately, but if you will recall, it was, you know, parents specifically celebrity parents like Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, basically using bribes to get their kids into schools. So Felicity did the good thing. She just kind of pled. She's already done her time. The whole ordeal is over for her. Lori Laughlin and her husband Massimo, on the other hand, really drew it out and they finally just pled guilty a few months ago. So now, you know, we're getting into the point where the prosecutors are recommending prison time. So they are recommending two months for Lori and five months for Massimo. So we'll see what they actually end up serving. But I kind of feel like that's in line with what I was predicting back then. Maybe I should go find that audio. You guys know I love when I get a prediction correct. But I just wanted to update you on that. Now, some completely more lighthearted news is that Sheena Shea, Sheena Marie from Vanderpump Rules, claims that she was in a throuple with John Mayer and Stacy the bartender from the Hills. Do you guys remember Stacy? She was the pretty brunette. I feel like all the guys were into her. She kind of has a Sheena vibe to her. She's like super confident. She was always just kind of in the background of the Hills flirting with the guys. And at the time when this throuple happened, Sheena and Stacy were living together and they would go to John's house and they'd all hook up, I guess. But Sheena got jealous because apparently Johnny Boy was more into Stacy than Sheena. And it's also worth noting that Sheena spilled this story on Heather Ray Young's podcast, which I didn't even know Heather Ray Young had a podcast. You know, we talked about her last week, how I looked up her Playboy photos. She's from Selling Sunset. So I was thinking, you know, I'm sort of shocked that this news has never come out before. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this seems so familiar, though. Like, I feel like I remember hearing that Sheena and John have been linked together before. So I did some digging because I felt like I was going crazy. And he has been linked to Sheena before. It's just that 
when they were, you know, allegedly together, it was in 2009. So it was really before we knew who the hell Sheena really was. It was before Vanderpump Rules came to be. And I found this hilarious blog post and it says... John Mayer engages the celebrity gossip media more than most. In fact, the singer seems eager to talk about himself, even when saying little about himself. Recently, Mayer has been linked to aspiring actress Sheena Marie, also known as Sheena Marie Jonkin. I mean, when's the last time we referred to her as that? The two have supposedly hung out for months. But is Sheena Shea, who has an upcoming role as a pizza delivery girl on the Jonas Brothers Disney show, just using her connection to Mayer for PR? <laughs> While she's out there telling people what a great guy John is and how it's a dream come true, Mayer is saying that she's not his official girlfriend. So again, this is stuff that was in the public domain for a while. I just don't, again, I don't think we knew about Stacy being involved. And then there was also this tidbit that I found. It says, the then 24-year-old beauty told younghollywood.com, I love his personality. He's funny. He can be like a dork. And after that interview, John reportedly stopped talking to Sheena for good. Oops. So I just, again, I think this was the first time that Sheena admitted it was a throuple situation because she was probably embarrassed that he was giving more attention to Stacey. But now she's so far past that. She's she's a grown-ass woman, and now she can say it with pride. So I loved that story. A little levity this week. Now, Stacey Dash has been accused of hypnotizing her fourth husband, Jeffrey Marty. Now, you might know Stacey as the iconic Dion from Clueless, my favorite movie of all time. I know it's so exceedingly original of me. And sadly, she didn't do much after Clueless and became known as being a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and big into extreme radical right-wing conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Kind of tried to get into the political field, didn't really work out. I just feel like Dion would never do that. I'm just sad that the legacy and character of Dion has been marred in this way. So in some divorce papers that were obtained by TMZ, Jeffrey... Her claims that Stacy's pastor used hypnosis to compel him to marry Stacy back in 2018. But I should also note here that Stacy is actually the one who filed for divorce. Interestingly, Jeffrey is an attorney himself and claims that the minister unexpectedly and suddenly proclaimed that it was God's will that he wed Stacy and claims he was forced to go forward with the wedding because, and I quote, hypnotic prayer techniques. Now, to add an extra layer to this plot, last September, Stacy was arrested for a domestic violence incident involving Marty in, of course, Florida, because Mr. Marty is also a Florida attorney. Love that for us. <sighs> oh, man. I just... Mm. Oh, you know what I wanted to say about this? I, I don't... I think Marty is confused about hypnotic prayer techniques. Like... The pastor proclaiming it was God's will. I mean, isn't that just kind of how religion works? I mean, is hypnotic prayer techniques just the same as prayer techniques? Like, when does it become hypnosis? When does it switch from religion to hypnosis? I, I need some more clarity on this. I hope more court documents come out that elaborate. I'm guessing this isn't really the majority of the claim, and this is just kind of what the media is picking up on because it's incendiary, but... I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm drawn in. So I don't know if I've talked about her before, but Taylor Lorenz is a writer for the New York Times, and she writes about teen niche internet culture. 
quite frequently. So obviously I love what she writes about. I love her. And I wanted to share parts of this article because it's wild. It's actually a fairly in-depth article and I, I wanted to go into it more, but we literally just had so many articles this week that I wanted to cover that I feel like I'm not giving it the full, you know, time that it deserves, but let's touch on the high points. So the article is called trying to make it big online. Getting signed isn't everything. And the article focuses on a lady named Ariadna Jacob. And to put it bluntly, she seems like a huge ass scam artist. In 2018, she founded a company called Influences, and it was touted as a sort of management company that would help up-and-coming influencers get sponsorship deals, make money, the whole shebang. And she would make a ton of lofty promises for these influencer houses, where multiple influencers would live together, and she'd say, you know, I'll cover this large chunk of rent as long as you are producing content and paying part of the rent. The problem was that Miss Jacob was not actually paying these kids. She would stop covering rent. She would stop paying utilities. And they were just kind of left high and dry because their deals were going through her. And it seems allegedly that Miss Jacob was keeping all of the deal money to herself. And considering the sheer number of people she managed, it had to have been pretty lucrative for her. So one of her clients is Brittany Broski. Her real name is Brittany Tomlinson, and you probably know her as Kombucha Girl. It really smells like a public restroom. <laughs> and she says that Ari, that's what she calls her, DM'd her on Twitter and was like, I'm seeing this image of you going around a lot. Have you made any money? And now Brittany Broski is only 22 years old, and this the kombucha thing went viral about a year ago. So she's super young, and... Miss Jacob told her that she owned an ad agency and could get her a deal with a kombucha brand and that Brittany just needed to sign a contract. Easy as that, it would be taken care of. So Brittany signed a non-exclusive agreement with her in August 2019. Again, you can see how recently this is and how quick it moves. And a month later, she signed a new contract, which made the agreement arrangement exclusive. So Brittany flew out to Los Angeles. She stayed at Miss Jacob's apartment and she says that she's buying her lunch and dinner. She's claiming that she's mentored by Gary V, And just all these people saying that they would help with her career. Now, Gary V has said that he has no affiliation with influences, but he could just be trying to distance him his, from, himself from it. Who knows? So in December, again, now just think, this is just over a couple month period from when her, her TikTok went viral to this point and I was like looking at her TikTok and I scrolled all the way back and her kombucha TikTok I think is her third TikTok that she ever posted and you can tell she just obviously was not expecting it to go viral to the extent it did and I saw an interview with her with Trixie Mattel uh, amazing drag queen and Britney says that what was happening was the, the viral video, it was starting to be used as a meme and it was being used a lot in the gay community um, for, you know, sexual, it, was, it became a sexualized meme when really it was just her tasting kombucha. So at the time she was working for a bank and she went to her boss and she said, you know, I have this thing that's going really viral and she showed it to her boss and she was just like it's really you know harmless it's just me tasting kombucha but in case you see it attached to like any negative images I just want you to know that that's not what I intended for it to happen to it and she ended up getting fired from her job so you think 
this girl's so young. She's 21, 22 at the time. She's lost her job. She's gone incredibly viral. She's getting recognized when she goes out. And then she has someone kind of coming in and saying, don't worry, I'll take care of it for you. I'll, I have this contract. I'll make it all easy. I'll get you money. I can't blame her for just signing on the dotted line. You know, it's very Ariel with Ursula. Like you can't blame the girl. So, and after she moved to LA, Britney started getting huge deals. She was working with FabFitFun, GT's Kombucha, and she filmed the Super Bowl commercial for Sabra Hummus, which actually had a lot of TikTokers in it, like Charlie D'Amelio. And she says that by January 2020, she realized that she hadn't been paid since Halloween. So October of the previous year. And at that time, Brittany filed a complaint with the California Labor Commission. And I just, in this article, it covers so many influencers because these houses had, you know, 10 plus influencers living at them. And I think she managed two or three of these houses. So you're dealing with a shit ton of influencers and their whole net worth and like ability to make money. Like I said, it had to have been lucrative. And the fact that they weren't getting paid is just so upsetting. And again, this is all allegedly, I know, but it's pretty compelling just because of the amount of people that have come forward. And it's so messed up because these kids are so young. A lot of them, I'm sure, don't have attorneys. They know nothing about Hollywood. They've sort of been plucked from their ordinary existence and thrown into this. And of course, the statements on behalf of Ms. Jacob deny all of these allegations. But again, I feel like the evidence seems pretty damning. And Brittany says that she still has not reached a resolution with Miss Jacob. And she said, if I could give any piece of advice to young creators, it would be don't sign anything. And that's my advice too. And the very off chance that I have any uh, aspiring TikTokers listening to this who are about to blow up, please protect yourself. Find a lawyer you can trust. Hell, if you live in Florida, hit me up. <laughs> and even though that may cost you money and, you know, up front, please realize it will help you in the long run. And I'm just kidding about hitting me up. This isn't this isn't an ad for legal fleas. Please don't get me in trouble. But again, I, I just do think, you know, protect yourself. Don't let yourself get bamboozled by these people who are older and trying to take advantage of you. That's I just really agree with that. Be so careful before you sign because contracts can be hella binding. They are hella binding. All right. We have a free Britney update, guys. So her lawyer, Sam Ingham, submitted a filing on Monday in which it says that Spears now believes the conservatorship must be changed substantially in order to reflect the major changes in her current lifestyle and her stated wishes. And she's quoted as saying that she's strongly opposed to her father returning as conservator. As a reminder, he stepped down in 2019 and Jody Montgomery, who's a licensed professional conservator, stepped in. And apparently Brittany wants Jody to keep the position. And again, in my personal opinion, this makes a ton of sense because I think Brittany needs someone on her conservatorship team who's not so close to the situation and who wasn't chosen by her father or really close to her father. I just think having that close of a family member is not a great idea. You see so often, you know, kids emancipating themselves when they feel like their parents, when they're child actors and their parents aren't fairly managing their money or just, you know, firing their parents as managers because I think it can just get really messy. And obviously managing is different than a conservatorship, but I, I just think having a more neutral party step in is a right direction for the conservatorship and hopefully helping Brittany, which is why this whole thing was put in place to begin with. So as much as I don't think it's this whole free Brittany that she's putting subliminal messages in her Instagrams. And like I talked about a few episodes ago, I do think it was problematic that 
her dad has such a say in it, especially with the problems with her dad that like Kevin has like a restraining order against her dad. I just think again that hopefully Jody stepping in is a step in the right direction. All right, next up, brace yourself for this daily news headline. Oh, take a deep breath. Welcome to Sweetie Pie star James Tim Norman, 41, is charged with hiring stripper to kill his nephew, 21, two years after he took out 450k life insurance policy on him and visit his site, site of his killing on this show. Are you confused yet? Let's dive in. Welcome to Sweetie Pies was a show that was on the OWN network. It was a reality show that followed Robbie Montgomery and how she ran her soul food restaurants, and her son, Tim Norman, was also on the show. During the show, very sadly, her nephew, Andre Montgomery Jr., was shot and killed. This happened in 2016, and this was featured on the show, his death, them visiting the grave, but at the time, it wasn't known who killed him. So fast forward to yesterday, August 18th, 2020, and Tim Norman, Robbie's son, was arrested with federal charges for his alleged involvement in a murder-for-hire plot with a stripper that resulted in the death of his 21-year-old nephew. The criminal complaint alleges that Tim conspired with an exotic dancer named Terika Ellis to kill Andre. And you might be wondering, but why would he do that? So two years before his Andre's death, Tim took out a 450k life insurance policy on his nephew and named himself, Tim, as the sole beneficiary. And then he tried to take out 250k more dollars in life insurance in 2015, but he was actually denied. Back to the complaint. It alleges that on March 10th, 2016, the stripper contacted Tim and said that she was on her way to St. Louis. Then on March 13th, one day before Andre was shot, Tim also flew to St. Louis. And apparently the text records show that Tim texted the stripper the address of where Andre was ultimately killed that evening. Four days after he was shot, Tim tried to collect on the life insurance policy. Fortunately, he was denied because he didn't produce the correct documents. But let's say hypothetically that Tim really did do this, that he killed his, you know, Andre so that he could collect on the life insurance policy. Um, You would think he would go through like a little more effort to collect because then it's like he just died completely in vain. Not saying you should kill someone to get your life insurance policy. And by the way, if you're thinking that's a good idea, if it gets caught that you had any hand in someone's death, like you don't get the benefits. Of course, like that's written into the document because then everyone would be out there murdering people. So not only will you be convicted on murder charges, you also won't get the the beneficiary money. So let's not be thinking this is a good idea. And it's so messed up because on the show, Tim actually visits Andre's grave with his mom and he talks about how emotional the death was and how multiple family members had actually been lost on the same street where Andre was killed. And Tim even said that he had been avoiding the Andre where, or I'm sorry, the area where Andre was shot. So it's also worth noting that Tim has spent 10 years in prison and he's had multiple run-ins with the law for things like punching an employer unpaid rent that was over 245k then another 100k in unpaid rent for some of the sweetie pies locations that he owned and the stripper also has a criminal past but it's relatively minor comparatively speaking like just misdemeanor charges like minor drug things um at one point she was when she was working at the strip club she was um allegedly completely nude when it was supposed to just be a topless strip place So I wish I knew more about how he came to get the stripper involved in this and how they knew each other and 
what sort of payoff she was promised because I mean she killed she was the one who actually shot the gun allegedly and since the the benefits from the life policy were never collected on I'm like what did she get out of this and it's just so sad for everyone involved obviously it's the most sad for Andre and his family but can you imagine like realizing like if you're Robbie and you realize you're your son did this and orchestrated like this is whole other level of pain and I also think it's sad on the level that prison time can often have high recidivism when people aren't given the right resources and people go on to commit other crimes and it's just awful but it's also salacious and juicy so I had to share it with you guys but on to a lighter article Yet another man laid low by an all-meat diet by Hannah Gold. I'd like to point out at this time that so much juice is coming from podcast interviews these days. The Sheena Shea juice came from a podcast. This, what I'm about to tell you, was brought up on a podcast. I think it's because people really let their guard down and they spill so much when it's just an audio format. It's really why I need to actually get some interviews lined up guys I swear I'm working on it it's gonna happen I think ideally I would love to have like one interview guest a month because I think that would be very manageable and then we'd still be you know on the path of what this podcast was created for in the beginning but you would also not have to listen to my voice the whole time so it's a win-win for everyone all right so there's a carnivore diet that's been pretty popular in the last few years. It's been popularized by a lot of manly men like Joe Rogan. There's this guy on YouTube, I'm blanking on his name, but he calls himself the carnivore and he just eats like meat and milk basically is his entire diet. And James admitted that he followed it and he got scurvy. He says he tried it when he was at the University of Bristol as a student And apparently there was 170 students in his program and there was three women, but all of the women were vegetarian or vegan. So Hannah writes, he faced a crisis. He wanted to prove that he was not like these women and also that he was a man. He says that out of principle, I decided I'd become a carnivore and just lived on mints, some chicken, and maybe some mayonnaise. Is this toxic masculinity? Like men thinking that not eating meat is somehow a knock to their manlyhood? It's sort of like how I've never understood how certain cocktails are gendered. Like, why is it girly to drink a tiki drink? Why can't a man have a little umbrella in his drink? Well, he can, but like, why is that like, oh, that's so girly. I mean, tiki drinks are so damn delicious. One of my most favorites. And I just don't think drinks of all things should be gendered. Like, it's alcohol. It's juice. It's ice. Like, does the fact that it's pink really make a difference? No. Okay, so James went to a doctor and the doctor diagnosed him with scurvy. And then James says he drank so much orange juice that he almost developed acid reflux. So from one problem to another. And Hannah had me rolling because she wrote, Honestly, this does not change my perception of James Blunt. I already assumed he was made of mayonnaise and meat. I did, however, learn in the course of my research that he is not the same person as James Blake. And seriously, same girl, same snaps to that. All right, our last article is kind of dark. I apologize, but I feel like it must be discussed. So this article is Fashion Mogul's Sons Say He Orchestrated Their Rapes by Madeline Aguilar. So we have another creep of the week. Him and Tim Norman may actually be tied. So this guy Peter Nygaard is apparently some sort of fashion mogul. I've never heard of him. I've never heard of his companies. 
that maybe I'm living under a rock. And he has been allegedly guilty of some very Jeffrey Epstein-like schemes. But the plot thickened and got even darker when now his own children allege that he made them be raped by his prostitute girlfriend. So in the suit against their father, their sons that in the complaint are referred to as John Doe number one and John Doe number two say that Peter Nygaard ordered them to, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, ordered one of his longtime girlfriends, a known sex worker, to make a man out of them and statutorily rape them when they were 14 and 15 respectively. The documents also allege that his business, the Nygaard companies, knowingly conspired, aided, facilitated, and helped cover up the rapes by providing company money and resources. And like I said, I compared him to Epstein because he has also been accused by 10 women and girls. They filed a sexual assault and trafficking lawsuit against him, and the lawsuit accuses him of sexually assaulting young, impressionable, and often impoverished children and women after luring them with cash and false promises of lucrative modeling opportunities. Some of the plaintiffs are minors. He's also accused of using alcohol, drugs, force of other means of coercion to engage in commercial sex acts with these children and women. Again, this is so similar to Epstein, who would lure, their in, lure them in with promises of furthering their career, they would be told that he was such a powerful man. They basically had to, you know, do what he said. And then he would assault them. I mean, it's just it's just awful how so often power is used in these situations. And the power imbalances by going after these women who don't really have a leg to stand on in a lot of ways in society. I'm just so sick of hearing these stories. I'm, I mean, I'm so glad that hopefully justice is being received but it's just disgusting and to do this to your own sons is just beyond me and I know for some reason like I feel like this is considered more okay I feel like I've seen this in tv shows where it's like oh yeah like my dad made a man out of me like let me have a prostitute and like it's almost glossed over and not seen for what it is that these children I mean they're too young to be with sex workers. It just It's something that should not be happening. And on top of this, this Nygaard dude hung out with Prince Andrew. <clears throat> so, you know, <laughs> take make it out what you will. And he also had a residence in the Bahamas, and it's where he would do a lot of this stuff. So these creepos love their island getaways. And, of course, he's denying all allegations. I obviously have to say that to protect myself, but... Mm. I would not be surprised if all of this is true. I mean, this is the stuff you read and you're like, oh yeah, prostitution rings are definitely a real thing. (sighs) All right, so that was all my articles for today, guys. If you tune in, I want to talk a little bit about reviews before I get to my legit shit this week. Um... First off, again, thank you for everyone who's left a review. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed. If you haven't subscribed already, I would love it if you subscribed wherever you listen to this podcast and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And I know I always talk about Apple Podcasts on here, but there's tons of other apps that allow you to also leave a review. And as a reminder, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash kindacute and leave a review there if that makes things easier. And I wanted to talk about why I think reviews are so important. I just know when I go to a show page on Apple and I see that it has a lot of reviews, I'm like, oh, like a lot of people must listen to this. It must be a good show. You know, it gives it kind of an air of legitimacy that I'm not sure I have yet, (laughs) maybe warranted um, for me not to have that yet. (laughs) But 
I think it would just really help with me being able to get guests. And so if this has ever brought you any sort of joy in the least bit, if you could just take a moment and leave a review, I can't tell you how much it would mean to me just because I do think it could help me in the long run to get fun guests on here and just make this a better experience for all of us and take it from my lowly hobby podcast to something more, which is really the dream. So again, if you can take a spare second, I would just love you forever. Uh, and onto our legit shit for today. I am not one to repeat a legit shit, but it's crucial this week because my friends have alerted me that the Bum Bum 2020 advent calendar has already been selling out on Amazon. Fortunately, it's still available on their actual site. So I will, of course, link it in the show notes. I highly recommend it. It sucks because on the actual Bone Maman site, there's like $12 shipping fee. But I'm telling you, these little jams are worth it. If you are a jam fan, a jelly fan, a curd fan, there's so many fun flavors that you like can't get at the grocery store and limited edition ones, and they change it up a little bit each year. So I just highly recommend it. And in case it wasn't clear, it's like an advent calendar that you open in December each day, and there's a little tiny jam in each day. And I know it is literally August, and it would seems insane to get it this early, but just trust me because it will sell out, and you want this, okay? I'll see you next week. Bye.